Hello, and welcome to True Horrors with Meg and Rachel. Every week, we discuss a horror film and the true stories that inspired, influenced, or bear striking resemblance to them. Be warned for spoilers and adult themes. I'm Rachel. And I'm Meg. And this is True Horrors. That's a beautiful hand signal. I love it. We are on, people. Episode nine. Welcome to True Horrors. Wow. That was professional. Let's, I got like 11 hours of sleep. So like, let's just dive right in. I want to start by saying that of the shitty movies that I've picked this season, this one's the best. I Um, have, I wrote almost the same thing, by the way, for all of you who didn't look at the episode (laughs) title, we're talking about the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. She dove right in past the title of the movie. I mean, you had to see it to download this. So like. I definitely thought that too. I was like with the old school slashers, um, this one's been the best, but I don't know if you've noticed this, but for as much shit as we've been talking about the seventies, half of the movies that we watched or plan to watch this season were made in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Like this season was brought to you by the seventies, <laughs> like by seventies horror. Like we would, we're almost pretty close to having a theme. I like, know. We've got a couple of movies that are late 60s. Right. And then um, a couple newer ones, but really there are so many 70s and mm-hmm. it's really getting, um, you're seeing like the the filming themes, like the right. way things are shot, the music, the way acting is, like it's very interesting. Yes. Um, I also want to open by saying, I think I might've mentioned this last week, but my mother saw this movie in theaters and she and her friends walked out of it. So I started my notes off with like a blank, like with that and being like blank decision. So I could decide by the end, it was a good decision, the correct decision, a bad decision. And I wrote an understandable decision. Okay. Did they walk out because they thought it was bad or because they thought it was like grotesque? That it was bad. Um, oh, okay. I meant okay. to ask her we because I go grocery shopping with her every week. Um, mm-hmm. So I meant to ask her today, but I had completely forgotten. But while I was watching it, I was thinking like, was it, did she walk out because everyone kept walking into the obvious murder house and immediately getting murdered, thereby creating no tension whatsoever? Or did she walk out because the movie took way too long to deliver on its chainsaw promises? Because those were the two things that bugged me the most. Hashtag chainsaw promises. <laughs> um, no, I um, I don't know. Like, I let's just let's just put this out there. The first movie I picked was Jaws. I love old horror movies, mm-hmm. but this season's making it seem like I don't because I'm just like <laughs> I hate all these movies. I mean, I just don't understand. I just I just like I don't understand the story. I don't understand their motivations. This one was better. We got to know the characters Mm -hmm. at least somewhat if we're comparing to the other 70 slashers. And I didn't hate them all. They weren't going out of their way to make it like, like they did in uh, the Hills have eyes where I was like, am I supposed to want anyone, but the dogs to live and the baby, like you're all terrible. I hated all, but, um, what's his face? What was the brother? The yeah, brother. the brother who's in the wheelchair. Yeah. Um, I was looking through my notes to see if I had written it down somewhere and I did not. Um, he was um, the only one I didn't hate. Everyone was so mean to him. Also, and again, this is gonna get to like a um like a a, a thing with the with how like language has developed and changed. But in mm-hmm. the opening, when they say her brother was an invalid, <laughs> yes. he's just in a wheelchair. Yeah, and I was like, that word used to mean, okay. Cause I was like, this has to be that because I'm like, he's just, he's just wheelchair bound. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, if it was made today, he'd be one of the heroes. Like he's, he's one yeah. of the, it would be tragic. Like, I mean, it's tragic anyway, but it would be like, cause he's the only one who makes any sense. Yes. A lot of this, but it was so weird because when he was just like making as much sense as everyone else, I was like, that had to have meant something differently in the seventies than it would. Like it did not conjure up. Like, I was like, he's just, he's just wheelchair bound. I mean, it's not a word that we really use anymore at all, but I would always think it meant someone who like is bedridden forever. But no, I think it just used to be a term they use for folks on wheelchairs. I'm, I'm going to take us to the beginning because we're, we're, we're hitting a lot of major themes. I'm gonna take us to the beginning. (laughs) 
I like movies that pretend they're based on real events. I like that. Like, I, mm-hmm. I've always liked that. I like it in Blair Witch. And right. I also think it was something you could do before the internet. And Blair Witch did use the internet. I'm sure we'll do Blair right. Witch at some point. Right. But I think it adds kind of a spooky, like, ooh, did it really happen? Mm-hmm. Urban legend kind of thing that I think is fun. Um, right. So I, I liked that opening. I thought it was fun. What I thought was fucking hilarious was um when they're doing the radio broadcast and um the sheriff says that all this grave robbing robbing was done by elements from out of state i loved that it was like that's like i'm gonna use that whenever i'm watching a true crime thing and they say that it couldn't have been done by locals i'm gonna be like ah yes it's those elements from out of state (laughs) like first of all it's texas so how far did they go because texas is a huge ass state Mm -hmm. and you think that they're coming into texas to grave rob why like you don't think there are graves in any of the surrounding states like not as good as the texas graves also, what is the radio station they're listening to the bummer hour? There yes. was not a single, I was like, wow, the seventies really was a horrible decade. <laughs> there was no charming story about a puppy that befriended uh-uh. a squirrel and solves crimes or anything. Like it was all just like, you know, what's terrible. Everything. Everything. You know what you shouldn't do? Leave your house. Like it was, I, I couldn't believe it. Every story was just so mm-hmm. I'm like, God, even nowadays they like to throw in a local kid's lemonade stand or something. Mm-hmm. Like, where's the fluff? Yeah, and like every story just kept getting worse. Um, yes. I was also very confused because I was like, are all of these stories relevant? Because obviously the grave robbing one, like they opened with it. That one's obviously relevant, but then it just kept going. And I was like, okay, no, they're just listening to the news. Like, I think we're just trying to set a mood, but like there for a while, I was trying to figure out like, how are all of these elements going to come together? I mean, that makes sense. I was sort of like, who's ever doing the radio broadcast in not real life, but in the movie Mm -hmm. is, sorry, I made that confusing, not in the story of the movie, but the actor who was doing it, I just imagine them just saying more ridiculous things to try to make it even worse. Cause I'm like, that's the only way it makes any sense. They were like, and then a hospital of babies blew up and went to space. Like it just kept getting worse. And like, yeah. I'm like the seventies are terrible, but I was like, yeah, but you couldn't at least hide it a little bit, put some, I got nothing. Um, this will not surprise you at all because you know, Rachel, I have very strong opinions about this as opposed to everything else where I don't have strong opinions, <laughs> but don't ever pick up a hitchhiker. No, not especially not the worst hitchhiker in the <laughs> world. No, the thing is, is in stories where they pick up hitchhikers, where they look like sad children or like they look really whatever. I'm like, OK, like you still shouldn't pick up a hitchhiker, but I get it. But everything about him, he was everything about him looked suspicious. Yes. Like everything about him looked dangerous. Everything about it, it was so terrible. And like, I know people still hitchhike to this day and I mm-hmm. don't get why, because like anyone who would pick you up is going to murder you. Like yeah. if you're like, well, it's okay. Cause I'm not a murderer. Yeah. But the only people who would pick you up are murderers. Like mm-hmm. I used to live in the Pacific Northwest. Like you don't hitchhike in the Pacific Northwest. I, I had, I worked at a coffee shop where there was a girl who always talked to me about her hitchhiking when I was, in, we were in our early twenties. And I was like, do you know where we live? Have you ever like done a Google search of serial killers out? Do not hitchhike. Oh yeah. It just, I just have to add that when I said that to her, she said, well, it's never been a problem for me. And I was like, it only has to be a problem once. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, this conversation is over. I'm just going to drink my mocha. Like, <laughs> I can't, I can't handle this conversation. Yeah, no, I would have, I would have followed that up exactly as I did now and been, it hasn't been a problem yet. Like, um, um but they also, picked him up and he was the worst. I wrote down like very early on, like when he started showing those pictures from the slaughterhouse, I was like, throw this man out of the car. And then they just let him sit there and be crazy for several more minutes before they threw him out of the car. They should he have thrown him out so much sooner. assault someone before they threw him out of the car. It, it went so much further than it should have. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was so weird. Like, mm-hmm. just like, did self-preservation not like, was it not a thing until the 90s? Like, you know what? This came up, this 
came out in 1974 they were still putting lead in everything like maybe Jesus we can just blame Christ. it on lead poisoning um i just kept writing throw i just kept writing throw him out throw him out yeah i also wrote a bunch of times about how dumb they are and mm-hmm. that was in the beginning before they started making really stupid decisions um <laughs> I do like, like, I don't hate at all the lack of a budget. Like, that's one thing is I don't hate that at all because I do think that sometimes modern horror movies, especially when they're slasher movies, Mm -hmm. they look too glossy. Like, they don't look, if you make it look more real, if you shoot it in a way that makes it look more gritty, I'm going to feel more like I'm there. Whereas if everything's too shiny or no one uses a cell phone and Mm -hmm. your movie's supposed to take place now, I don't feel pulled in you know no I prefer low budget horror I mean we've talked about this a lot but like we're both suspense people Mm -hmm. um and you don't need money to build suspense you just need to tell the story correctly and you just good music like good good music music. can do everything Mm -hmm. for you um I I like how in the beginning of my notes I wrote wow this gas station attendant is actually trying to help them some real (laughs) (laughs) but the thing is is he is telling them not to go there like because when they do the creepy shots of all the bones and stuff we Mm -hmm. know those aren't all his living victims we know they grave rob right so like he wasn't trying to again we still haven't discovered where the gas station attendant leading them into danger trope happens right because in none of these are they trying to lead them that way in all of them they've been trying to discourage them I also wrote, which this is something that Rachel and I actively disagree on, whether we'd want to live in the middle of nowhere. Yes. And this is why I don't. This movie is why I never want to be in the middle of nowhere. I never want to be in a place where I can't see the next house. Like to me, that's just when you get murdered. Like that's just when like, it doesn't have to be a ghost. Like it's that like, (laughs) that's when you, it's like, oh, well, the next house is only, th- is, you know, a short 30 minutes away. I'm like, you are dead. I don't want to live that in the middle of nowhere. I want to live in the middle of nowhere outside of a sizable town. like Outside the law. Outside the law. No, growing up, I could see two or three houses. Well, okay. Some of it depends on how high the corn was, how many houses I could see. But... You know, my no, you don't, you don't get to walk the- past that. You don't get to walk <laughs> past depending on how high the corn was. <laughs> or if there were soybeans that year, I could see some pretty distant houses, but no, I mean, there God. were two, you know, my, my closest neighbor was across the street and had the cow pasture. I could see their house. And then across the, a different street from them was a Christmas tree farm. So like I had pretty close neighbors and then it was like a short 15 minute drive into town. <laughs> Meg's just Sorry. shaking her head. <laughs> you always say I grew up in Mayberry. You grew up in whatever town Charlotte grew up in, in Charlotte's web. Like you grew up like in that, like, it's just like uncle, whatever's farm is just a short walk over. Wilbur can be there. Like everything, was, everything I learned. The street. But would you want to go hang out in an old dilapidated house in the middle of nowhere? How is thinking about it? How is, you know, I like abandoned houses. Okay. And this is, this is where I draw the line. One day you're, I literally wrote, Rachel would try (laughs) to take me here and I wouldn't leave the car. Like (laughs) it's an old rundown home in the middle of nowhere. At best, there's like a family of raccoons that wants to eat your face. Mm -hmm. And that's at best. And at worst, it's like, there's a human being who's living in there. Like, Obviously, that's not a human being that wants to kill you, not a human being that's just like chilling. Um, (laughs) Like, here, let's go to this. They were just, oh, my God. They were just wandering around that house. And I'm like, I would not have left the car. I would have just been like, "Mm, that's nice. Like, I have the the key is in the ignition. A single scream. And I'll just be rolling back. I'll be like, (laughs) I'll be like, Rachel, run. Jump into the car while it's moving. I mean, I think that's fair. But. I would also like to point out that nothing bad happened in that house. It's because they went to the obvious murder house that they got murdered. I don't even know what to say to that because it's, as I'm watching this movie, I just kept being like, so you have to like present yourself to be murdered by the Texas chainsaw, yes, like Leatherface. it's Leatherface. Yeah. So you have to, you have to deliver yourself. He wasn't even stalking them. I almost mm-hmm. felt sympathy for him. Like I was like, <laughs> he's just 
trying to live his life and they're just breaking and entering. What is wrong with you people? Like they break into his house and just like, like after finding a human tooth, which like that, they find a human tooth and they're like, you know what? No one's coming to the door. So I'm just, who raised you? Do not enter that home. And then he's like, my God, like there was a point um, where when the boyfriend, the other boyfriend came in where he almost seemed put upon. Like he likes, he was just like, Oh God. Like, it was just like, (laughs) like he seems so overwhelmed. And I'm like, I know. Right. Like from your point of view, they just keep breaking into your house. Like, and you're just like, stop. Uh, Like, I just want to grave Robin peace. (laughs) I was also very inspired by the human tooth. I think I'm going to start throwing teeth at people who knock on my door. (laughs) Like, I don't know where I'm going to get these human teeth. And that one had a real bad cavity in it, but just throw teeth at people who knock on your door. I just don't understand. There were so many red flags (laughs) and they just all kept walking by them. Like, oh, isn't that a pretty shade of red? Like (laughs) it was, it was definitely like, there's sometimes when people are terrible in movies and I'm like, I don't care if you die. This Mm -hmm. was where it was like, well, I mean, I wash my hands of you. Like, The way you are behaving, like they all walked into his house. Like, Mm -hmm. it's like if he was a very specific ghost that you had to cross the threshold for him to murder you. And it's like, just don't go in the house. Like (laughs) he didn't really stalk anyone until her at the end. And that was just because at that point they had to tie up loose ends. If they had never, there was nothing showing that if that first couple hadn't knocked on his door, that he would have done anything Mm -hmm. like it's so weird. Like, it's just weird because, I mean, obviously he's the villain. He murders people and eats them. But <laughs> it's like, it's just very weird to have him not be actively doing that. It's so passive. He's just mm-hmm. like, what, waiting for people to knock on his door? And they didn't, I mean, they did knock, but then they just came in anyway, yeah, which is rude. In. Which it is, is rude. rude. Also, he just came right out. He just like popped out and was like, snatch. Yep. I, I was waiting for that scene because I knew that scene existed. I was like, I think this is the porch snatching scene. Oh, my apologies. I didn't write about the dilapidated house. I did say I wouldn't go in, but it was where I said I would never follow anyone into a random house. Like when the girlfriend does. Mm-hmm. I want to say her name's Penny, but I don't think that's it. Pam. 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 When she just follows Her-ken him in. Pam. I was like, I would have bounced. Mm-hmm. Like, first of all, I don't think that kind of stuff's funny. So if it was a joke and they were trying to scare me, I would have been pissed because yeah. I don't think that stuff is funny. No. But I would not follow someone into a house like that. Like, no. because again, at worst, there's a murderer, but at best, you're breaking into a house. Like, it's breaking mm-hmm. and entering. Like, yes. so it's just like, it's very weird. And even if they weren't murderers, maybe they just don't want to help you. And like, you can't get out of their house. Although maybe they could lend you one of their 15 cars that they have sitting out in their yard. Also not a red flag. No, not at all. I also did not understand her outfit for the longest time. And then I realized it was a swimsuit that she's Mm -hmm. wearing shorts over a swimsuit because I was like, there's no back to it. I thought it was just a halter top, but then there is zero back. And then, then I saw it from the front. I was like, oh, it's a swimsuit. But that really confused me. I was like, how is her shirt staying up? I, I'm going to have to disagree with you here. I think that was a shirt. Um, how? They, made, they made shirts like that. in the Like it still is going to like, it would have the same like shape as a swimsuit, but I don't think it was made from swimsuit material because they used to make clothes like that in the 70s. Wait, wait, but okay. So it's, it's like a halter in the front. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's got the strap that goes around your neck and it's a shirt in the front. And then there's just nothing. It's like an apron. There's nothing in, there's nothing connecting it. Like if a strong no. breeze came, it would just like, that's my thing. What's the bottom of it? Probably like a swimsuit. It's probably a bodysuit. I'm just saying that it's not like an actual swimsuit. I don't oh. think it's an actual swimsuit. I think okay. it's a shirt. Okay, that's fine. It's weird, but it's fine. I yeah. thought it like because you're right, it didn't look like that, but I just didn't understand the mechanics of how it was staying on her body. But that makes yeah, sense. Still shaped like a swimsuit. Whatever. I mean, honestly, I'd probably wear that. Like yeah. I would definitely wear that. I just needed to know how it was staying on. But I would definitely wear that. Sally's outfit was also killer. I would never be able to wear bell bottoms like that because I'm too short. They're not gonna start flaring at my knee. Um, They're going to flare in the wrong spot, but they did look great. 
Um, I did not. I did not get from the scene with all the bones. I think what they wanted me to get because there was just too many. It was like, um, and they just like that scene went on for so long of them. It's Mm -hmm. like they were really proud of all the bone props they'd made. Um, but it was like home and garden bone edition. Like it was they like just they got kept a showing it from kids to make it. And they just, they didn't want any kid to feel left out. So they showed everyone's bone yes. art like <laughs> because it went on for so long that it didn't feel like it was Pam's point of view. Yes. Um, because all I kept thinking was if it is her point of view, why is she just leaving? What is she a curator of bone art? Like, <laughs> Like she wasn't leaving quick enough for me. Yeah, no, because- she just kept laying there and looking around and not freaking out. Mm-hmm. And then she did start freaking out. Also, I maintain Pam might have been able to escape. Like, but she kept like, why? Once you notice something like that is going on, you no longer start yelling for people. You no longer make your presence known because mm-hmm. at that point you're in a dangerous situation. So I'm not even because she was yelling. And yeah. I think if she like he probably would have chased her, but I'm just saying is that like he caught her very quickly because she made her presence known as to Mm -hmm. where she was in the house. Sally did the same thing. Like she jumps out the window, which I thought was a very bold choice. Good choice. But then she runs away screaming and like, it's dark and there are woods. All you need to do is run into the woods and be quiet. She probably won't find you. She didn't even try to hide. No, like she she didn't didn't even try to hide in the corn or the woods or whatever the fuck was around there. Also, and I don't know if this is a 70s thing, we haven't watched a ton of 80s horror, mm-hmm. but the just extended, like, over-the-top screaming. Yes, oh my God. That's what was the last 20 the minutes worst. of this movie. It's not scary. It doesn't feel realistic. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's a lot. And the thing is, is we can't blame that all in the 70s because isn't the original Halloween from the 70s? Sure is. And I think of her as, like, in my mind, she's who I think of when I think of, like, scream queens mm-hmm. you know, like and she screams the appropriate amount yes yeah <laughs> it does not distract she screams the appropriate amount mm-hmm. so far that is my favorite 70s horror movie yes slasher same. yeah it's easily the best one yeah um, um, and then followed no by screaming. the other halloween movies and then these other ones are way at the bottom <laughs> it's just like i'm just like stop screaming he knows where you are there are no lights Mm-hmm. Like, how would he know where you are? Right? Because you're in the middle of nowhere. Just hide. I this is a, a brief thing, but I I we have to talk about my favorite line in the movie where I think his name is Franklin, like the turtle. It is. Franklin the turtle. Um, which is a book series, if anyone doesn't know what I'm referring to. <laughs> Her personal turtle, Franklin. <laughs> um when he asks Sally, um, if she believes in all the astrology stuff that Pam had been reading. And she goes, everything means something, I guess. <laughs> Except that sentence. That sentence means nothing. <laughs> I just think there are parts where I'm like, and there's like, I think about four documentaries about the making of this movie mm-hmm. because of how much money it made and how mm-hmm. popular it is considering how cheaply it was made. But I just need to watch one and figure out what exactly the script was and how much of it was just improv. Cause that does not seem like a line someone writes, someone reads in the editing process and then someone memorizes. <laughs> um, also, Oh my God, fuck Jerry. Like when they, when it is night and no one has come back and they are on the horn and they are screaming and she is so like, she did not deserve to be the one who lived in this movie. Franklin mm-hmm. did. Yes. But when she is just, saying she wants to go after them. I'm like, can we examine that for a minute? You're laying on the horn, you're mm-hmm. screaming and no one's coming back. What, how, where do you think they are? Like clearly something terrible has happened and you need to get help. Also, like, even if something terrible hasn't happened, you're just going to get lost. Like you're, then there are going to be more lost people. Like you need to stay where you are because if it's just that they're lost, you're going to get lost trying to find them. You're just making more work for the rescue people, which obviously there are no rescue people, but just like in general, if you get lost in the wilderness, stop wandering around. You need to stay in one spot. It's like how if you're searching for someone in the woods, when you scream their name, make sure you leave pauses because a lot of times, especially children who are lost, um, 
their response gets drowned out mm-hmm. by rescuers screaming for their name. Right. Just a little, just a little lost fact for you guys, for me and Rachel. Yep. Um, I literally wrote, Sally, your plan is stupid and you're going to get your brother killed. And yep. then two minutes later. Yep. Um, also, they're only yelling for Jerry because fuck Kirk and Pam, I guess. <laughs> right. I mean, they know. They know deep down, deep down that they're they're dead. Why are you chainsawing your own door? Rachel, I literally <laughs> just, I was just in my head reading my own response to that, which said he has no key to his own house. Yes. Because that's how I followed it up when I was talking to the movie. I was like, don't you have keys? <laughs> um, she wouldn't stop screaming and just hide. It made me really annoyed. Yes. I also wrote that in an unexpected twist, in a movie called The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's actually a broom that steals the show as the best weapon. <laughs> I don't think that scene was supposed to be funny, but when he just keeps hitting her in the face with the broom. There's just, there, there's not enough chainsawing. Uh-huh. There's the perfect amount of Texas, but not enough yes. chainsaws. Also, this is the part where I wrote how there couldn't have been a script to this movie. Let me see the script. Because like, first of all, he keeps comforting her and then beating her. So it was very confusing. Yes. Like, but also then he says to his one son about Leatherface, um, he tells him that he has no pride in his home because he cut the door. And I'm like, what? what a weird thing to say. <laughs> what a weird, like what a weirdly normal thing to say about your son who wears a leather face and cha- like no pride in your house. <laughs> no, like, but he's got a lot of pride in his art. I just feel like there were a lot of things in this movie I wanted to see that I didn't Mm -hmm. like, and I think they're in more modern slashers, like things that I feel like are the beats that it really missed, like her discovering the bodies of her dead friends. Yeah, you're right. That doesn't happen. She never does. We never see that. And we never really see what he does to them. Mm -hmm. And like, again, I'm not big into slashers and I'm not really into like um, any kind of torture porn or anything like that. But it's more that like there's a certain amount of emotional satisfaction to the fact of her like figuring out what happened and that kind of fear and that kind of like we never get it. We just get the worst dinner party in history. (laughs) Why does she keep thinking that gas station man will help her even during the dinner? Like why does she keep thinking that like he'll help her? He brought her here and he at Mm -hmm. no point seems afraid or reluctant. He's their father. He's actually the most annoying character because he is a cannibal, but he's like, I can't kill. I just do the cooking. I'm like, oh, you're annoying. Like kill someone. Like (laughs) that's worse somehow. Also the whole grandfather thing. Yes. They didn't bring grandma down either. Like fuck her, I guess. Yeah. They keep her in the attic, but she doesn't get to come to dinner. And he was clearly too old. Like her getting away was just based on them being insane and stupid. Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't any cunning. Also, the director should have stopped them and been like, Matt. I don't know that that's the name of the actor who played (laughs) that. That's just our editor's name. Um, But should have been like, hey, you're getting too close to her. Like it's very easy. You could just reach out and like grab her hair. So you need to let her get, I know she's not very fast, but you need to at least give the illusion that she's a little bit ahead of you because every shot I was like, just reach out. Like she's not, you're too close. Like you're too, like, it was just like, it took me way out because I'm like, do you even want to catch her? Like, is it really even in your soul? I have no idea who, what, what's the actor's name who played Leatherface, but like, know. anyway, Honestly, I just feel like they should have st- Oh, sorry. Oh, I just feel like they should have stopped production and been like, you need to slow down because like, it's very obvious you could catch her. I didn't even notice because at that point I was like so done because she had literally spent the last 10 minutes screaming. I was like, I just want this movie to be over. I'm just really annoyed with how it ended because there's no reason why they shouldn't have driven away in that semi. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't damaged in any way. And yeah, he was trying to chainsaw the door, but not effectively. He was no. maybe scratching the paint. And then they went out the other way and she jumps into that truck and has him drive away. And then he dances with his chainsaw. Yes. But the thing is, is the semi driver was never killed. No. 
So did was he just like that was weird, got back in his semi and left, or did did he stop dancing and eventually kill him? Like that's Who's the thing say? is it's it's the weirdest ending. And I definitely thought there was gonna be like a newspaper thing mm-hmm. after, and then there wasn't. I was like, oh okay, fuck me, I guess. Yeah, no, it just it just ends on the chainsaw dance. It was really underwhelming. It was really I've been I don't know. I was pretty pretty into that chainsaw dance. I thought that was it was the highlight of the movie. I've been underwhelmed by all of these older horror movies yeah. we've watched. Same. And I just think because there's just certain things with the story mm-hmm. and with the scares, but also things with the story that just don't make a ton of sense to me. And I don't and I can't even again say because like I don't think there's anything wrong with the Jaws movies. No. Movie. The first one. I can't defend them all. But like the the original Jaws, I don't think there's anything wrong with that movie. Like mm-hmm. story-wise, character-wise, there's stuff that's funny and that's aged in a funny way. Right. But there's not a big story thing that you're like, what the fuck is happening here? Like, or like, mm-hmm. why didn't you just, whereas I feel like a lot of these old slashers have those things. And right. I'm like, I don't even think they're that scary to then be like, oh, they were more focused on that than the story. Like, mm-hmm. It's very weird, but it's the end was especially weird to me because they should have drove off in the semi. And the thing was, considering she did escape, I don't know why that wasn't the ending. Wasn't just her and the semi driver going away and then him doing the chainsaw dance. Right. It was it was very odd, especially considering the guy didn't even die. Yeah. Or they could have just skipped the semi like because I will say that that shot is pretty good of her like clinging to the back of that truck. They could have just skipped the semi entirely and had her jump onto the back of that truck yes um where she continues to scream yeah i'm the guy who's driving it i'm like if you're gonna are you gonna do that the whole way like are you gonna do that the whole way (laughs) we'd survive this movie we're not going into anyone's house into that house the obvious murder house like i'm sorry if i knock on a door and someone throws a human tooth at me i'm getting the fuck out of there i don't even know that i would have knocked like as much as they did Mm-hmm. like there's a lot of things about it that I think leading up to it are creepy as hell. And then if I knocked and no one answered, I'd be like, we need to go. Like you wouldn't mm-hmm. have even had to throw a tooth at me. I would have been like, we need to fucking go. We also would have gotten gas at like the normal station. They pick. Cause there's a, they specifically say like when they get to the gas station and the guy's like, we don't have any gas. One of the guys is like, Oh, we should have gotten gas at that last like station. I'm like, yeah, you should have, you're driving through Texas. Like, through nowhereville texas you should get gas every chance you get like that's a real thing that happens when you drive through the plains Mm -hmm. is that like people run out of gas because they don't realize how far away everything is yes um so you get gas whenever you have a chance and also i don't know maybe just keep some extra gas in a canister like you've got a big old chevy truck like oh also i don't feel like we can get past this the they definitely ate human flesh right yeah, that's definitely what that barbecue is like that. He yeah. fed them human flesh. Yeah. Okay. Like yeah. that was definitely like, once we got to it, I was like, Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I think we definitely survive. Yep. Like you and I would have been like, fuck no. Mm-hmm. Just, just so many things. All right. Tell me a story, Rachie. It's a bad story. Just, it's really upsetting. So we've obviously talked about this, but this movie draws on Ed Gein and the Sonny Bean story, but I've already done those. So the other primary influence for this story was the Houston mass murders, which has nothing to do with a chainsaw. That was just something from the director. My main source for this is an article by Skip Hollinsworth from Texas Monthly called The Lost Boys. But I also used a story from the Houston Press and the Houston Chronicle because these three, and I I used Murderpedia a little bit to like get a timeline, but I'm going to link to these because these are stories that really prioritize the narrative of the victims. And this is the one that holds, this is like the story that holds the title for most prolific serial killer in the United States. So on August 8th, 1973, Wayne Henley, who is 17 and henceforth known as this motherfucker, calls the police to report that he has shot his 33-year-old friend, Dean Coral, henceforth known as- Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Why did I not know? Why did I not know till this moment what story you were doing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Again, henceforth known as the murderer. When the police show up, they arrest 
him, the, they arrest this motherfucker. Um, the murderer is dead. And a 15 year old girl named Rhonda Williams and a 19 year old named Tim Curley, who were also there. They were there, um, just doing drugs at their older friend's apartment, you know, like you do when you're a teenager, because at this point, the police don't really know what's going on. So they just arrest everyone. And pretty quickly, this motherfucker admits that he has helped the murderer kill at least 27 teen boys um, and then like one adult. And he implicates um, an 18 year old named David Brooks, who actually gets to keep his name for reasons that we will get into. He's still not, um, he's not a good character in this, but I feel like he's, he gets to keep his name. And then he leads the police to this boat shed owned by the murderer and they just start digging up bodies and they find 15 bodies there. And then they find at two other locations, a local lake and an island, at least 12 more bodies. So again, 27 bodies. So we got to backtrack and talk about the murderer a little bit. I wrote here that he was born in Indiana. And then I just went, boo. We got, look, we we also like hold a claim to Jim Jones and a little bit to Charles Manson. He spent some time here. Like, stop. We got enough to deal with in Indiana. Don't, don't do this. But he and his family moved to Texas when he was 16 and his mom opened up a candy factory in 1962. And the murderer was known for just giving candy to children and like inviting kids to come hang out at the factory. And everyone thought that was fine because it was not, it was the early 1960s and he showed a strong preference for young boys. And in 1968, his mom closed the factory and moved. And this is definitely when he starts murdering people at least, like at least um, he also just gets a lot more bold and starts like inviting those young boys instead of to the factory, to his apartment, he offers them drugs and everything like, lot also this is the late 60s so they do a lot of paint huffing which i literally until i read this story forgot that was a way people used to get high is spray paint into a bag and sniff it why i can um, feel i can feel my brain cells dying i know like, right? just talking about it like jeez i mean and i'm sure people probably still do that but not not the way they used to right surely and one of the boys that he invites is David Brooks, who he's known since the factory days. And he starts sexually assaulting him pretty quickly. Like he had, he has never spoken to the public about this, but he was very clearly being groomed by the murderer from a very young age. And I think he's been staying with the murderer a lot. Like his mom lives somewhere else. And whenever he comes to visit his dad, he stays with the murderer a lot. And in 1970, when he was 15 years old, he walks in and sees the murderer raping two boys. And those two boys are most likely Jimmy Glass and Danny Yates, both 14, who had disappeared from like a drug rally, like anti-drug rally, not a drug rally, um, slash like church service. And as always happens at this time, the police decide that they're runaways and don't investigate. And after this, this is when Brooks gets pulled into helping the murderer. So... Basically, right now, I'm going to give you a timeline and a bunch of victims' names. I don't think these are all of their names. I couldn't quite get the numbers to add up, but they were all the names I could find. So on January 30th, 1971, they abduct uh, Donnie Waldrop, who's 15, and his younger brother, Jerry, who's 13, from a bowling alley. And right around this time, Brooks drops out of high school. And as a result, the murderer gives him a Corvette. So again classic grooming behavior march 9th they abduct randall harvey is that a v my god rachel learn how to write um may 24th they abduct mally winkle who's 16 and david hillegeist who's 14 they were both people they were two boys that um the murderer had known from when he owned the factory and they were on their way to a public pool august 17th reuben watson who was 17 was going to the movies and then somewhere around here is when David Brooks introduces the murderer and this motherfucker. And the reason this motherfucker doesn't get a name when the other one does is that the murderer tells him that he sells young boys into a pornography ring and that if this motherfucker will help him, he will get $200 for every boy that he brings in. And he is immediately down. And I just- we Old is he? Here. He's- uh, 
17, I think. That uh, is I, crazy. Yeah. I'm like, is is selling them into pornography better than raping and murdering them? Is Is it really that much better? Well, what's crazy is that, like, I mean, you're right not to give him a name because, like, it's one thing to be groomed like David was mm-hmm. from, but to meet someone stone cold when you're almost 18, like 17 years old, mm-hmm. you know, you're not a little child. And for them to say like, I sell young boys, children mm-hmm. into pornography, like sexual slavery, mm-hmm. like that's what it would be. Then I'll give you 200 bucks if you bring me victims and them being like, yeah, I'm going to do that. Like, no, that is. Yeah, that's a lot. Like, Which, that's a lot. I don't think that was like their first introduction. Like he built hope up not. to that, obviously. But it was it was again, it was not like David's situation where he had known the guy for years and was being groomed and sexually assaulted by him. He didn't know this man very long. Also, I just I looked it up. Two hundred dollars is thirteen hundred dollars today, which is a lot of money. But I don't think it's enough to sell a child into sex slavery. Nope. Um, So, you know, on February of 1972, a boy named Rusty Branch goes missing. I could not find any other information about him. I don't know how old he was. March 24th, 1972 is when Frank Aguirre, who's 18 years old, it's when he goes missing. And he worked with this motherfucker at Long John Silver's. So the other thing that is different about David and this motherfucker is that David is definitely used to help lure the boys in this motherfucker just straight up brings him victims. Like he's like, Hey, let's go back here. Like, and at this point, like he definitely knows what's going on. May 21st, they abduct Johnny Delome. I really can't read my own writing. Who's 16. Who was on his way to a bookstore and Billy Balch. I think they were together. He was 17. Um, question what's up is anyone noticing that all these boys are going missing this is a lot of boys we'll get to that but no spoiler alert no i mean their families are obviously reporting them missing but the police are not making the connection yikes Um, yeah october 2nd wally j simono who's 14 and richard hembry who's 13 were on their way to a friend's house and went missing december 22nd mark scott who was 18 was again brought by this motherfucker june 4th which takes us to june 4th 1973 billy lawrence who was 15 was another friend of this motherfucker was abducted and the biggest bummer part of that is he was he was held captive for four days before they murdered him which or before only i think only the murderer was really doing the murdering the two teenagers were bringing victims and helping clean up and on june 15th ray blackburn who is actually 20 um and not from the area was abducted and murdered he was actually hitchhiking back to louisiana to meet his wife i think yeah he was married and who had like just had a baby july 7th 15 year old homer garcia goes missing he had been in a driving school with this motherfucker july 19th michael or Tony Balch, the younger brother of one of the previous victims, is murdered. Two different sites gave me two different first names. I don't know which name he went by. He was 15. July 25th, Marty Jones, who was 18, and Charles Cobble, who was 17, were again brought. August 3rd, they murdered James Dramala, who was 13, which they lured him to that house saying that they had a bunch of old Coke bottles for him to recycle. Cause back in the day you could return your glass Coke bottles and get some money. He is the youngest victim that we know of. They also have linked Jeffrey Conan to him. He was 18 and it was actually abducted and murdered on September 1st of 1970, which predates when David Brooks walked in and, and found out what was going on. But obviously if he had two boys that he was raping and torturing, he had been doing it for a while. Um, it's just he's dead like he was he he was dead before he could ever be brought up on charges so we don't really know how many people he killed they also found the bodies of three boys who are never identified um and because there were so many and had been going on for so long a lot of bodies were misidentified there were quite a few parents who were convinced they didn't have the right bodies and later 
forensic evidence shows that they didn't. So Brooks and this motherfucker were both sentenced to life. Like I said, Brooks has never spoken about this publicly, but this motherfucker has. And he also sold a lot of his paintings that he had done in prison at a local gallery. Like a local gallery did a show that used some of his art and the families of the victims protested, but they sold the paintings anyway. So like, I don't feel like this guy really shows a whole lot of remorse, which is why he doesn't get a name. Whereas again, David never talks about this. He had been groomed. Like he's, he's not the hero of this story by any means, but he's also never getting out of prison because every time he and the other guy are up for parole, pe- families of the victims are like, mm, no. Um, so what happened the night this motherfucker shot the murderer? Oh, so he had brought his friends over um, just to hang out. And the murderer was pretty pissed about it because he's not into girls um and he attacked the two guests and that's when like this motherfucker just kind of snapped and shot him so like again i don't think he felt good about murdering all the or like helping murder all these people but like he because once it came to be someone that he was actually like people that he actually considered friends he turned on him but like he still seems like more of an enthusiastic participant than he should have been well i definitely think that's worse i'm not done yet um how he's dead well i want to talk a little bit about the police response and like what happened oh okay i thought more i thought more i was like what could he do he's dead no no, no. that's like i said not all of the bodies have been recovered um and it's really funny because this is a story that includes three people who murdered at least 27 boys And the police chief and the mayor were both like, "Mm, I think I want to be the biggest villain in this story because, you know, like I had said earlier, all these boys were labeled runaways. Um, And just like so many of them went missing over a three year period and they were all reported, but the police just kept being like, well, your kid's a runaway. And that, that main article that I mentioned just tells story after story of parents, like frantically searching for their children. Like one father went to Mexico because someone said that maybe he his son had been seen there and the police just would not do anything so once they started digging up the bodies once they hit uh, 27 they just stopped looking and it's rumored um from a report like a guy who was working as a reporter who spoke to a detective at the time that they stopped looking for bodies because they had just passed the record number of bodies found um, murdered by a serial killer out in California. So like being too, like having two more victims than the previous record was one thing, but having like 10 or 12 was going to be really embarrassing for the police. So they stopped looking, which wow. again, we can't say for certain that's why they did it. But I think we can say for certain that's definitely why they did it because they didn't do their fucking jobs. And this was going to show how badly they were doing their jobs. And it like, so obviously this becomes an international story. There are 27 known victims and the police chief and the mayor are both like really stick into this runaway thing. And they both kind of blame the victims and the parents of the victims. And the mayor even says, and this is a quote, the police can't be expected to know where a child is if his parents don't, which is a crazy thing to say, because I would say that's a homicide detective's job. I I would say that should be the job of the police to find missing children. I mean, it's not the police's job to know who murdered your friend. If you don't know who (laughs) murdered your friend, isn't that what your job is though? Like to figure like, like, would you say that about like, Hey, I, I got robbed and they took all my stuff. (laughs) It's not the police's job to know where all your stuff was. That's so insane. Uh Is there anything to like, can we go, not we, but have people thought about going back there and seeing if there are more bodies like doing an, would it be called an excavation? Yeah. Um, actually, yes. Our, well, first of all, just one more bad thing, which is this since it was the early seventies, this led to quite the crackdown on local gay bars. So that's how, instead of like actually trying to find all the bodies and giving, give these families peace or, you know, do their jobs when the children went missing, they decided instead to just raid gay bars. But we do have a hero of this story. Her name is Sharon Derrick and she's a forensic scientist. 
and she was working at the county medical off county medical examiner's office when she found like some of those remains were still there um and she has identified some remains and i they didn't again this was a really long article so like i don't know how many but she's worked pretty hard to try to find out who those missing people are she has asked for the county to go dig up those areas and they still won't do it so and because i think because she works for the county there's only so much she can do I want to end on as upbeat a note as we can. It wishes that like there is at least one person in the world who is trying to help. Well, I guess two, because this man wrote the article. There are two people in the world trying to give these families some measure of peace. But yeah, definitely worse than the movie. Oh yeah, definitely worse. Um, That's crazy. We haven't done like a bummer serial killer in a really long time. So like. What was the um, connection? What do you mean? with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you said that the, the, he added the chainsaw, but was this something where the, was it the writer, the director, were they? I think the director was just kind of inspired by like yeah. that massive body count kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, it's, yeah, it's not that similar to the movie. It's definitely more similar to Ed Gein and, and Sonny Bean, but he does label it as one of his inspirations. Okay. Yeah, no, we haven't done a a bummer serial killer in a really long time. The thing is, is mine usually aren't that because I'm usually doing ghosts. Right. And so I'm mostly doing hauntings and things Mm -hmm. like that. So um, this was definitely worse than the movie. Worse worse than most things, really. Yeah, really. Um, Well, we will be coming at you in your feed next week uh, with my pick, which is the original Amneville Horror and please follow us on Facebook and Instagram and share and tell your friends about us and make sure that you are reviewing and giving us stars and uh, feel free to, you know, comment on our posts, say hi, anything like that. Um, anything else, Rach? Um, I just, I realized last time we recorded that we should probably mention our Instagram handle so that people know where on Instagram to find us, which is, um, it's at true horrors pod. Um, and then on Facebook, it's just true horrors podcast, Mm -hmm. um, which I'm pretty sure we link them on every episode anyway. So, yep. Hope to see you then online. And until then we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.